You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Bet this football season with my bookie. Use promo code Gators and get a 50% match with your first deposit. Only at my bookie. Gators Breakdown, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter, at GatorDev underscore SEC. Joining you a few days before, Florida takes on LSU in the 2020 season finale. Home game for the Gators, home night game for the Gators, taking on the Tigers. Week before, Florida takes on Alabama in the SEC Championship game. And to hop on here and on Gators Breakdown, to break it all down for us will be Blake Rafino from RU Series of Sports. Does a great job covering LSU. You won't find you won't find much better out there coming from the LSU side of things. Blake's really good, really passionate about those LSU Tigers, knows what he's talking about, knows the program very well from the inside. So Blake's going to hop on here and give us a really good preview of those LSU Tigers and everything going on off the field and on the field for the Tigers. A lot of storylines following the 2020 LSU Tigers coming off the national championship uh, last year. Uh, announcement before we get started, uh, the Clay County Gator Club has invited me to uh, preview the LSU game. So thanks to those guys out there. It'll be uh, 7 o'clock, 7 p.m. on Thursday night on Facebook Live. So head over to Facebook, join the Clay County Gator Club Facebook group. You can watch it there. While you're there, also look into joining their club. You know Their mission is to foster and enhance the relationship between the University of Florida, its alumni, students, and friends in Clay County, and to support the university's mission of teaching, research, and service. Your donation, when you join, it goes towards funding scholarships for students that are heading to the University of Florida. So check it out Thursday night on Facebook, Facebook Live, 7 o'clock. I'll be uh, talking Florida LSU, and I'm sure maybe a little... Florida Alabama talk as well for the uh, week away from the SEC championship game. So thanks to those guys. And I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, before we get into our LSU preview, remember you can find Gators Breakdown on news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. You'll find all the Gators Breakdown episodes there, as well as News 4 Jacks coverage of the Gators. And uh, please share, rate, and review Gators Breakdown. It really helps us out. If you're on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. It does wonders for us on the YouTube version. And, or if you're on the go, want the podcast version, you plenty of plenty of options out there. It'll be on your favorite podcast platform. Follow Gators Breakdown on social media. We're on Twitter and Facebook at Gators Breakdown. And I am joined now by Blake Rafino from RU Serious Sports to give us a preview of these LSU Tigers. Blake, man, I felt like we've done this before, which we have. I didn't get to put it out. Of, of course, we recorded the morning of the announcement that uh, Florida LSU mm-hmm. was going to have to postpone their game. Uh, so, of course, thanks again for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, do this twice now. So uh, it's uh, you know been an eventful 2020 season with coronavirus and everything going on at LSU and Florida and all that. Uh, but uh, how are you holding up? And I hope everything's going well for you. 
Thanks, Dave. I appreciate you having me on, man. Yeah, we did it before, and uh, it's it's nothing. You know what's good, Dave? I think of this year because LSU's had some opt-outs of games and stuff like that, and uh, maybe opt-out's not a good word, but some some rescheduling. is you, I get to take more looks inside teams in the SEC, right? So when we're going to be playing Florida, we it doesn't play. It comes back this week. I get more chances to really break down Florida. And you know, Dave, it's been fun. I think a little bit on that aspect to be able to break teams down more from a from a skill level because I'm always having to break down LSU. But it's been really fun to break a lot of these teams down, especially Florida twice now. Uh, but I don't like breaking down Alabama twice like we did last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there. Uh, we'll, we'll get into get into all that, uh, Blake. Let everybody uh, like this is your first time on Gators Break. Now, let my listeners know uh, what you got going on at Are You Serious Sports and what you do there. Yeah, Dave, I appreciate it. Um, we go live every uh, Monday through Thursday from 7, p- or 7 p.m. Central Time to 8 p.m. Central Time. We're bringing on a lot of shows. Uh, I'm the CEO of Are You Serious Sports Network. We're bringing on an AYS Fight Club uh, where they cover the MMA and a lot of local fighters, which is really taking off, and I'm really happy for those guys. We'll be bringing in some other shows uh, to the network, maybe covering them a little bit more nationally, maybe some SEC and stuff like that. Um, so that's what we're doing. But for our, for my show, we just go from 7 uh, p.m. Central to 8 p.m. Central. And we have great uh, guests on like Dave, you were on last night, which was absolutely fantastic. Um, so that's what we're doing. We're just, you know, we're building uh, not like a barstool sports. We try to keep it uh, PG, at least as much PG as we can. Uh, but that's what we where everybody can find this and AYS sports on Twitter as well. Yeah, I know uh, I was listening to you uh, behind the scenes last night before I come on and very passionate, very passionate. If you want to, you know, some LSU talk, I think you talk Saints and all that stuff, you know, Louisiana sports uh, a lot, but mainly focused on LSU. So uh, good. Yeah, Dave, mainly, mainly that. And look, I I think the outrage, I think for me, has just been the excuses from Ed Orgeron, right? It's just the, the simple fact that he's pointing the finger. Okay, and, you know, I've had pushback from a lot of LSU fans. What do you mean he's pointing the finger? Well, and I've mentioned this a couple times, but I'll mention it to the Gator fans, is last week LSU was driving down the field on Alabama, and if that game is 7-7 in the first quarter, I don't know if that game – I don't think that LSU has any of a chance to win that game. That's not what I'm about to say, but maybe keep it close. Get these young guys some momentum. Get them some confidence that they can go and score on an Alabama. Well, Ed Orgeron said on the fourth and one when they gave the ball off to Ty Davis Price and they got stuffed, well, we should have snuck the football. Well, man, you're the head coach. Like, you can go on the headset and say, hey, Steve Ensminger, run a quarterback seat with your 6'6", 250-pound quarterback. You have the ability to do that, and guess what? They have to listen to you. So it's excuse after excuse that Ed Orgeron keeps coming up and saying, you know, over the last eight, nine weeks, he says, we got to coach better. Well, no, duh. You know, no, duh, you got to coach better. Like, I, if I hear that from Ed Orgeron one more time, I might scream. He's put a lot of blame on Bo Pelini. You know, last week, Devontae Smith had damn near 300 yards in the first half, and, and he's going to sit here and say, well, we should have put Derek Stingley on him, and we should have double-covered him. Well, guess what? You have the ability to tell your defensive coordinator, hey, listen, put 24 on him, go up to 24, Derek Stingley, and say – you shadow number six no matter what. But it took a true freshman and Eli Ricks to go up against Devontae Smith where Mac Jones went over 4 and didn't complete a pass against Devontae Smith. That kid has the energy. 
Where's the fight and want to from Derek Stingley? And that has been the onslaught from LSU is that they have the talent, Dave. And when they play like they would, if they play up to their talent level, they have shown even in the first half against Alabama or really the first quarter. I mean, they, that game was 28, 14 LSU was driving down the field and it could have been 21, 20 or 28, 21. You mean to tell me in the first half with everything going on with LSU, if that game at halftime is not 28, 21, we're not saying, well, you know what? LSU with a young team hung up with them in the first half, regardless of what happens in the second. So it's just piling on for LSU right now. And the Eric Gilbert news, the USA Today stuff, it, it just keeps piling on. And Dave, we have not had good news in probably since the beginning of the season. There's nothing good that's come out of this team other than younger guys getting game reps. Yeah, and that's kind of where I'm going to go, Blake. You know, sadly, right now, the game itself is pretty much the last thing people are talking about. For Florida fans, it's looking forward to the SEC championship game. And for LSU, it's talking about all the, you know, stuff that's kind of going on off the field right now, you know, and then from a team that, you know, just a year ago had it rolling on their way to a national championship this time a year ago. So, you know, take us through the season just a little bit more as well. You know, start it, you know, replacing key personnel from last year's team, of course, mm-hmm. a lot of opt-outs before the season, then getting upset by Mississippi State week one of the season in the opener. And now we're hearing about, you know, talking about big-time players leaving the program uh, right now as the season winds down. As you said, it's just kind of week after week after week of LSU making headlines and not really for the right reasons. Yeah, Dave, everybody talks about the 31 players and coaches that left from last season. Well, that's not how many people left. You had 20 players, which which is very big. But in 2011, 2012, Alabama had the same. They had t- they had uh, times where an LSU tied this record last year with 14 draft picks, and all they do is they go right back out there and they make the playoffs. Um, in a COVID year, yes, I can get it, but Ed Orgeron has to do a better job of getting upperclassmen to come back and for these guys not to opt out. Now, if Neil Farrell, who did come back, he came back to the team, he had a family emergency. You know, he he's really close with his grandparents and his parents who are success- uh, susceptible to – uh, contracting a virus. I think his dad or mom or grandmother uh, has diabetes, and if she would have contracted it, it could have been really bad. That's understandable. But Ed Orgeron and LSU, even going back to Nick Saban in 2003, has always had a problem of not getting guys who are upperclassmen to come back. Dave, Alex Leatherwood, left tackle from Alabama, came back, first-round pick. Najee Harris come back. You have a lot of guys on other teams that come back and why you're able to su- sustain success. And I think that Ed Orgeron has had that problem. Now, week one, I, and pl- I'm never okay with a loss, but I understood it. Right. A new defensive coordinator, you're, you you don't have the time to go out there and, and really prepare. The game reps that are the practice reps that you're getting is normally with the first-team guys. You have a couple injuries. And then all of a sudden, you're throwing second-team guys out there that hasn't had those reps. So with all that being said, I'm not okay. I'm okay. I don't want to say I'm okay with a loss against Mississippi State in the beginning of the season. But when you're losing against teams like Missouri, when you're losing against teams that you have no business losing to, because you have a better talent level, that's where I have the problem. And I think that LSU fans need to look, and just fans around the SEC need to look at this and say hey, is this a talent issue or is this a coaching issue? Dave, I'm not so sure now if it's just not a coaching issue around LSU. So every week there's been something that's taken the sales out of this team. They they play highly inconsistent. 
you know, you go to South Carolina or South Carolina comes in and you put up 52 points with a true freshman quarterback that no one thought that you could do. You, you know, they've had sustained drives. Look, I mean, look at what they did in the first half against Alabama. And I'm not saying that they did great, but I'm saying from a young team, they were able to put some things together uh, when plays broke down. I, I, I'm exhausted, Dave, if we're going to be honest. Uh, and you made a great comparison last night on my show with the Jim McElwain uh, comparison to the off-the-field issues. How much is it the off-the-field issues that's affecting LSU versus the on-the-field issues? Dave, if they're 3-5 and five right now and that you don't have the USA Today poll, I'm okay with it because that just goes to show me that you have a disconnect on the field. I'm not okay with everything that Ed Orgeron has done and all the off-the-field issues that seems to have matriculated since August when Jamar Chase, probably the best, the most talented guy at LSU last year, completely walked out on Ed Orgeron. Yeah. Uh, Blake, catch us up a little bit on the off-the-field issues. You mentioned the USA Today uh, piece there, and also Eric Gilbert this week. It's kind of been the headline uh, in the SEC going throughout. But right before we break this game down, uh, catch us up on just a couple of those off-field things, and then we'll get into the game a little bit. Yeah, the USA Today poll – or not poll, but the USA Today thing that came out in reference to sexual allocations – um, Dave, it's just my personality. I want more things to come out and more facts to come out before I start, you know, talking about it because I, I think that when we sit here and we talk about these kind of things, we have to make really sure that we don't spit out just rumors or spit out things what other people are reporting. I'm, I'm the individual. If I don't know what's going on, I'm not going to really talk about it in depth, but the USA Today article about the sexual allegations, um, the LSU allegedly quote unquote covered up. Um, that is what's been going on. Dave, a little bit of this is a, somewhat hard to believe because of the arrest that happened at LSU, the players that were suspended. I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying it didn't happen. And we have to listen to these females and these women that are coming out and saying these things because they're extremely serious. And we have to, as a society, be able to say, listen, we're here with you. We want to get down to the bottom of it, no matter who the individual is, if they're LSU player or not. Uh, so that's the biggest thing that's looming. Also, if if your listeners remember the Odell Beckham situation where he's given out cash in the national championship mm-hmm. game on the sidelines. Now he's suspended from LSU athletics for two years. That's completely preventable. Completely preventable. You don't need – that doesn't need to happen. Uh, the Our Lady of the Lake situation, which is a big hospital here in right. Baton Rouge, that's another situation. Now – with that, and I think the NCAA kind of proved that, that it was not something that LSU had a lot of knowledge about. And when they found out, they turned themselves in. So I, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole because a lot of people obliterate me. But listen, they turned themselves in. The records are there. You can read the transcripts of what happened. And as soon as they found out, they turned themselves in. But they, and you can even go back into August when the players did the players only march without their head coach. It just keeps adding on week after week after week after week. And now you have Eric Gilbert. Um, I'm not going to say because it's just some rumors and something that I can't validate. Uh, but there have been talks about there have been some tampering with Eric Gilbert from other teams inside the SEC. And no, not Florida. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. <laughs> Florida's not one of them. But there's a team in the East that you don't like too much who might be the one that's doing it. So, he came out, Ed Orgeron came out and, and did something and said that he didn't, uh, that I thought that he shouldn't have done. He didn't really protect his player really well. He said that Eric Gilbert came to his office and said, my body hurts. 
What do you mean your body hurts? This is SEC football. I don't believe that. I don't believe Ed Orgeron. I think there's an underlying thing going on there as well. His mom came down from Marietta, Georgia. So you're thinking about opting out because of a shoulder injury, but your mom comes down from Georgia? Hmm. Yeah. It's a little bit interesting. So, uh, it, you know, it's a snowball effect. It doesn't seem like it's getting any better anytime soon. All right. So I, I know it probably doesn't get much better in previewing the game itself, but we, we got we got to do it anyway. <laughs> so right. uh, uh, look, we'll start at quarterback. You know, Miles Brennan starts the season taking over for Joe Burrow. And, and of course, the comparisons were going to be there. It's just mm-hmm. the way the way the way things happen here. I mean, right. we got every quarterback, even including Kyle Trask, being compared to Danny Werfel, Tim Tebow, Rex Grossman, no, no matter who's out there. So, of course, a year after Joe Burrow, Miles Brennan is going to get compared. But he was injured versus Missouri the -hmm. game before the original Florida game was supposed to take place. And, you know, the the Tigers have turned to freshman T.J. Finley, Max Johnson at times as well. Finley's getting the starts, but Johnson's playing a bit too. How has the offense changed from Brennan to these quarterbacks? That's the point, Dave. It hasn't. You know, like the when I say that the offense had – because it's, it, I want to make this very clear. The offense from a play calling standpoint hasn't changed. Now their scheme has changed where they try to run the football. But talking about Ed run again, he's come out and said, well, we can't run the football. Well, Dave, guess what? Last week out and take out the sack yardage for LSU with, with TJ Finley, they were running the ball at five yards per carry last week against Alabama. So I, I think that they've had some success with TJ Finley. And look, Dave, when we look at SEC teams, not just LSU, but we look around the SEC, Kyle Trask being one of them. You have a dual-threat quarterback yourself, and you have Kyle Trask. You have a dual-threat quarterback in John Ross Plumley at Ole Miss, and you have uh, Matt Corral. What are we seeing from offensive geniuses and like Dan Mullen and Lane Kiffin? If you can't force the ball down the field, you're going to get beat, and you got to be able to complete passes down the field. That's what T.J. Finley has brought a little bit to this LSU team, I just don't know if he has the uh, uh, the weapons in this aspect that they just don't have the experience. You saw Kayon Bouti last week, the true freshman wide receiver, bust off a long win, and then John Emery bust off a long run against Alabama. So I think that TJ, from a schematic standpoint for LSU, has done better than Max because we saw when Max came in against the second team of Alabama, he's missing wide-open throws in the end zone. Uh, uh, to to score. I mean, T.J. Finley gets you 14 points. Max Johnson against the second team only gets you three. So I, I, I think that T.J.'s done a lot better than Max at times, but Max has the ability to scramble and is more athletic at times inside the pocket. I wouldn't be surprised, Dave, if Max Johnson, though, gets to start this week to kind of shake some things up and see how he does. Interesting there. Interesting look there. And uh, look, I guess the big thing for these guys, and you've kind of hit on it there, losing their top targets. Terrace Marshall a couple weeks ago opts out for the rest of the season. We just talked about Eric Gilbert and, and, and the situation there. That can't be that can't be helping these quarterbacks. No, it's not. And and look, you and that's why I say you got to give TJ Finley a lot of credit, uh, especially with the fact that he's throwing the true freshman. Dave, there was a time against Alabama last week that on the field they had seven true freshmen that were on the field. You had a running back, quarterback, and four wide receivers that were out on the field, and they're all true freshmen, which, again, is a good thing for LSU because you have young guys getting game reps. It's also a bad thing because it shows that the attrition that LSU had uh, from one year to the next is is horrendous. And during the season. And during the season. Yeah. And now Eric Gilbert, who was one of those freshmen that were out was out on the field last week that were counting in that, 
doesn't want to be here anymore. It lo- at least that's what it looks like. Now things can change. Uh, so it, I don't know. TJ Finley has gotten some pushback for some fans, but how can you realistically say that he's not done good with the things that he's had around him? His offensive line has been bad at times. He hasn't gotten the pressure. He's had drop passes. His weapons aren't there. I've covered TJ Finley a lot. I think, Dave, that he's done really well. He's got some things he's got to work on, but he again, he's a freshman. I mean, we've seen starts from uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence. His first start was a, it was horrendous. He actually got hurt in that game, and it took mm-hmm. another true freshman to come in and, and, and bail Clemson out in that game against Syracuse, if if I remember correctly. Uh, so I think that he can he can continue to grow and be good for LSU, um, but if they don't give him enough time in the pocket, if they can't get him some better weapons with some experience, it's going to continue. And, and Justin Shorter, or Shorter, who who went to Florida, was a guy that LSU was really after, and then he goes to Florida. That's a that's another thing that LSU lacked in in the offseason is that they weren't able to go get guys that they really wanted, and so that that just goes to show too that. LSU just since last season on January 15th or whenever it was when they raised that trophy, Dave, there's been some unraveling. Yep. And look, in the run game, you mentioned Ty Davis Price and he leads the Tigers uh, in in rushing. But Blake, it's hard not to fall in love with that big play potential of John Emery. It is, Dave. It's, It's really hard. I mean, look, when he again, when he gets the time and he gets a little bit of wiggle room, he's been explosive. Um. I think that there there are some things he needs to work on. You know, when LSU wants to extend the running game with some short passes, he's got to get better at catching the football. And, look, you don't have to hit the home run play on every every single time. You can get four or five yards. That was the Clyde Edwards-Alaire go-to butter move. It's like, hey, I'm going to make a quick move on you, put my head down, and go get six yards. We saw that time and time again and something that he needs to work on. But – it just seems, Dave, that every now and then you see why he was a five-star running back, and I think that they got to get him more touches, him and Ty Davis-Price. Uh, again, like I mentioned earlier, you were getting five yards per carry at the half. John Emery had five rushes for 70-plus yards, and he got two carries in the second half. And a lot of people have pushed back when I've mentioned that. Well, Blake, they were down 30. Well, Alabama was down 20 last year, and they gave the ball to Najee Harris 17 times and the 46-41 win for LSU. So just because you're down doesn't mean you have to completely abandon what you're doing. you got to get your playmakers in space, and you got to get them the football. And <laughs> I don't want to poo-poo, or as we call it on AYS, Rudy Poo on uh, mm-hmm. Steve Inkniger. He's just really had a struggling t- – he's really struggled at getting his playmakers the football at, out of that running back position. Blake Rafino from Are You Serious Sports joining us here previewing these LSU Tigers. Last couple of thoughts with him as we move to the other side, the ball, Blake. And look, the big hire of the offseason that made headlines in the SEC and around the country was Bo Pelini coming back to LSU uh, as the defensive coordinator there. And, well, it, it, it hasn't went well. <laughs> um, was there any indication that this could happen? Yeah, I mean, look, and, and Dave, this was the hire that kind of put AYS on the map. You know, we broke the story, got us on the Bill King show, as we are both Bill King disciples, I guess. Um, but that, you know, that hire kind of put us on the map on that one. Um, but yeah, they're two fiery guys. But here's another thing, and I mentioned this last night on my show. I mentioned, I'll mention it here. Name a coordinator outside of Steve Insminger at the end of their tenure at LSU that Ed Orgeron has not had a problem with. 
Matt Canada's 11-1 with the Pittsburgh Steelers. They had a big-time issue. Dave Aranda going to Baylor, and the reason that he was pushing so hard to get a head coaching job, him and Ed had issues. Now Ed has issues with Bo Pelini. There's one common thing here. His name's Ed Orgeron. And, and look, I don't want your listeners to think that I'm just really going after Ed Orgeron here, but when you have all the success, you got all the reward. When you're not having success, you need to take some of the criticism. And if Bo Pelini's fired, it's, I think, a tribute to some things that Ed Orgeron was unable to do. And attrition is one of them. Look, you had five, four starters on this defense from who opted out in the beginning of the season. You have big guys like Tyler Shevin, Shelvin and Car- uh, Kerry Vincent that are no longer here. You had other transfers that thought that they wouldn't see playing time. So I think that I don't want to – people need to look at Bo Pelini, I think, in a different light because he doesn't have a lot of the weapons there and he doesn't have a lot of the pieces for that 4-3 defense. But, Dave, some of the stuff, when you have DBs that don't know how to line up in man-to-man coverage, that's hmm. an issue. That's a misconnection issue. And it, it, it's tough for me to defend Bo at this point because there's not really a lot to defend him on other than that he's been able to stop the run at times, but Alabama was really focused last week and absolutely obliterated them. A lot a lot like last year when LSU was really focused on Texas A&M because of that seven-overtime game. They were really focused. They were mad about what Ed Orgeron said in the press. Well, he didn't really say it in the press. It just got leaked. They were focused, and they put the beat down, uh, like The Rock would say. They put the beat down on them, and <laughs> it was not pretty to watch. And, Blake, you know, one of the crazy things here is, you know, looking at both of these teams, Florida, LSU, both like to claim that DBU moniker, and mm-hmm. neither one of them are living up to the to that moniker this year. Um, what's been the issue on the back end for LSU this year? Dave, that is the $6.9 million question. That's Bo Pelini's buyout, right? Like, that's the that's the contract that he's got. That's the $6.9 million question that everybody's asking and doesn't have the answers to it. I think, Dave, you could simplify it as this. You have two defensive back coaches. Bill Bush, who coaches the safeties. Excuse me, Corey Raymond, who 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 coaches the, the cornerbacks. And so I think that that's been an issue. How can you have guys that know how to communicate when they're being coached by two different people and are not on the same page? Um, if it were me, I would not let Corey Raymond go. I, I don't I don't like calling for people's heads, so mm-hmm. to speak. Um, but Bill Bush, I think, either needs to be put in another, as another position coach or needs to be uh, leave LSU because you just we've seen what Corey Raymond does with DBs. You know, the NFL uh, came out with their 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 what all American, not all American, but all NFL team. Here was a defensive backs for the NFL that made that number one list. Tyron Matthew, Jamal Adams uh, and and, uh, Patrick Peterson. And on the second team was uh, uh, Jerry White. Four DBs from LSU were on that top two list. So those are all guys from who? Corey Raymond. So why are you bringing in another DB coach? It was a it was a Dave Aranda ask, and and he wanted him there, but he didn't even follow Dave Aranda to Baylor. Right. So it, it's just a very a very very big misconnect there. Blake, before I let you go, one last thought here: What, what have you seen from Florida this year uh, that that you like, and and you know as they move forward to this LSU game and the SEC championship game? Dave, um, very quickly, 
I think that it's a copycat league. There's a lot of things that are a lot of things that I've seen from uh, uh, Florida that looks a lot like when I broke down LSU's offense last year. Those wheel routes are, are are really something that I saw a lot last year with the meshing concepts and the the pick plays that LSU would run on the outside, the getting the guys in the middle of the field uh, and really attacking the middle of the field. I'm really, really just uh, impressed by Dan Mullen's play calling. Um, I think that when you think that you have them, you really, really don't. And something else, too, Dave, LSU struggled in the running game last year to, uh, at times, and we've seen that with Florida. I would really want to see them, in my opinion, for if you're a Florida Gator fan, to see them establish the run early in this game and just and really get after it. And then look, if it doesn't work, you've got Kyle Trask, who's going to have probably 45 to 50 touchdowns on the season and a reduced season, which is amazing. So I would, I, I, if it were me, I would want to see him run the ball a little bit better. But outside of that, you can't really say anything negative about this offense. And boy, did they have some weapons, which is also really impressive. All right, that's Blake Rafina from Are You Serious Sports? Blake, man, I cannot thank you enough for joining here, talking LSU, <laughs> everything that's going on there. I know, I know it's not fun at times, kind of you know when when the program's like that. But coming off the national championship, I, I, I've had this discussion with Gator fans. You you wouldn't trade that for really anything. So you kind of yeah. just kind of just live with what's happening in 2020. Yeah, I'll take this any day of the week. You know, coming off the, you know, not just the national championship day, but some people have clarified them or or put them as the best team in college football history. Right. So I, I'm not going to complain. The only thing that I think the LSU fans need to understand, and just fans around the SEC, look, it's still not acceptable. LSU is second with national championships over the last 20 years, right behind Alabama, and they went to a fourth, and they could be tied, Dave. That's how crazy it is. Alabama could have four, and LSU could have four. That 2012 game that I was at, they could be tied. So you don't expect that from an elite program, and this is just not LSU's caliber. So they need to get back to that, and they got to find the want to. I think that it is a want to and a fire that people have in their belly that they don't have that you see teams like Florida having right now. All right, Blake Rafina from RU Serious Sports. Everybody, if you want more LSU coverage, go follow him for some of the best LSU talk that is out there. Blake, man, thank you so much. Thanks, Dave. Have a good day, man. It's the most wonderful time of the year that can't end soon enough. <laughs> we all deserve a win. We all deserve a little extra money in our pocket. We all deserve to have a little fun. The only place you're guaranteed to get all three is my bookie. My bookie is the only sports book that doesn't care whether you were naughty or nice this year. They've got gifts for everyone. The bet the NFL, bet the NBA, all your favorite college sports, and more. Sign up today and receive the ultimate stocking stuffer, a 50% bonus up to $1,000. It's a great place to start, but we all know Christmas is about what's under the tree. And at my bookie, that means huge deposit bonuses, epic giveaways, and free contests. It's simple. Sign up, enter promo code GATERS, and get your deposit matched halfway up to 1000 bucks. Head over to MyBookie to make the most of the holidays this year and strut into 2021 with cash in your pocket. This winter, bet with the best. Bet with MyBookie. So, let's take a look at these LSU Tigers even more from uh, my perspective, uh, Gator perspective, what I'm kind of looking for in this game. Great, great preview there from Blake. Really diving into these LSU Tigers here. But, uh, look, they're coming off the 55-17 to 17 setback to Alabama last week in, uh, in Death Valley. Against Alabama, the Tigers started four true freshmen. 
On the so quarterback TJ Finley, wide receiver Keshawn Butte, wide receiver tight end Eric Gilbert, and cornerback Eli Ricks. You know, LSU has played 19 true freshmen this year, which ties with South Carolina and Tennessee for most in the SEC this year. LSU's two and three since true freshman TJ Finley took over at quarterback for the injured Miles Brennan. Finley led LSU to wins over South Carolina and Arkansas. And uh, offensively, look, LSU ranks number five in the SEC in passing offense with 306 yards per game, number six in both total offense with 416 yards and scoring at 28.8. My thing is about that passing stats a bit, little bit misleading right now, though, uh, as it was dominated by when Brennan was starting for LSU. Brennan averaged 370 yards passing in his starts. Since then, Finley's taken over, only averaged 188 yards a game, while Max Johnson, another freshman, has come in and averaged 99 a game. So about 300 total for the two when they've taken over for Brennan. So about 70 yards less those guys combined than when Brennan was in there playing quarterback for LSU. Now, as you heard Blake say, LSU's playing a ton of young players right now. Against Alabama, freshmen and sophomores accounted for all of LSU's rushing yards all of their passing yards, and 191 of their 254 receiving yards. So, uh, (laughs) I mean, we go back. Freshmen and sophomores accounted for all of LSU's rushing yards, 98, all passing yards, 254, and 191 of their 254 receiving yards. So, to extend that, LSU has just over 60 players available on the roster right now. Of the 55 players that saw action against Alabama, 33 were either freshmen or sophomores. So they are playing. With with this being a lost season, a lot of opt-outs, of course, as well, LSU is a very, very young team out there. Very far cry from what they were uh, last year, of course. Uh, Two freshmen, uh, two true freshman quarterbacks, of course, T.J. Finley, Max Johnson, Combined to complete 120 of 203 passes for 1,336 yards and seven touchdowns. Finley has started five straight games. He's connected on 18 of 140 passes for 941 yards, five touchdowns, five interceptions. While Johnson is 40 of 63 for 385 yards and two touchdowns. Running back uh, Ty Davis-Price leads the Tigers in rushing with 391 yards and three touchdowns. He has a pair of 100-yard games, 104 versus Arkansas, 135 versus South Carolina. LSU's 2-0 in those games, so get him to 100 yards. When they play some overmatched opponents, that's leading to wins. <laughs> Running back John Emery led the Tigers in rushing against Alabama uh, with 79 yards and one touchdown on seven carries. He had a 54-yard touchdown run against Alabama. That was a career long for him. For the season, Emory has rushed for 371 yards and three touchdowns on 71 carries. So he's the explosive guy there in their backfield. And look, LSU, look, Terrace Marshall, a couple weeks ago, we talked about that. Then they had a their active receiver coming out of the Alabama game was wide receiver tied in Arik Gilbert as of earlier this week. He's not going to play either. So LSU's losing a whole lot of production there in the pass catching group for them. So Gilbert, 35 receptions, 368 yards and two touchdowns, followed by Keishon Boutte now, who's going to be their leading receiver, coming into the Florida game, 26 receptions, 319 yards and one touchdown. 
And Jerry Jenkins, 18 catches, 321 yards, and a touchdown. Pate, also a freshman, coming off his best performance with eight receptions for 111 yards against Alabama. But look, how important was Gilbert? I mean, this was the guy they were counting on for the rest of the season to, to be the guy to, 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 to lead that receiver group. And, I mean, right now, they're just – I mean, after Marshall opted out, they were, this is the guy they were counting on. True freshman – was LSU's go-to receiver when the Tigers needed a play to keep the chains moving? Of his 35 receptions this year, 24 have resulted in either a first down or a touchdown. Only nine have not been a first down or a touchdown. Of the 24 receptions that resulted in a first down, 11 came on third or fourth down, nine on third down, two on fourth down. Against Alabama, Gilbert had five catches for a total of 29 yards. Two of those receptions resulted in a first down. So he's kind of the security blanket there for those quarterbacks. Now, Texas A&M, a few weeks ago as well, two games ago for them, he caught three passes for 25 yards. Two of those resulted in a first down, one, one of those coming on third down. So I mean, he was a, he, he was the guy they were targeting to keep the chains moving. He's no longer there for the Tigers as the season winds down. And look, LSU cannot run the ball this season ranking 113th in the country, next to last in the SEC running the ball at 110 yards per game. So the game will be on these young quarterbacks. Grantham will have some success there, as he kind of always does against some young quarterbacks. And uh, there's a lot to do with just the quarterbacks being young. Not, not, not that great right now. Florida should bring pressure to these quarterbacks. We'll probably sit back in some more zone uh, more often than not. Uh, and... Uh, you know, to kind of just sit there behind the blitz. I think Florida will bring some pressure more. I think we saw more than what we saw, I think, against Tennessee last week. LSU struggled in that regard. Alabama brought some pressure. Florida didn't bring as much, and I don't blame them, early on against Tennessee. The defensive front was getting a lot of pressure on their own, didn't need the blitz. Then you, Tennessee dialed it up a little bit, started protecting better. Then you saw Florida start bringing some more pressure, getting to the quarterback. I kind of expect more pressure from the get-go from the Gators. Uh, but or, or or kind of maybe the same way we saw it last week. See if you can produce it with just your front three or four and then bring the blitz if you have to. But I, I expect Florida to bring some pressure here and maybe uh, try and force some more turnovers than you did uh, last week. You know, LSU doesn't go deep a lot with Finley. He has some trouble there. I'd like to see some more man a, a little if you're gonna bring some pressure, maybe man it up a little bit too. Sit on these receivers since they don't throw deep a lot. There's gonna be some intermediate routes, some some stop routes. See if you can pop one, see if you can stay close to receiver, an errant throw, or you know, just a good break on the ball. See if you can get a good turnover, see if you can get some interceptions and get this, you know, defense confidence going in to the Alabama game. Switch it over to the other side defensively. LSU ranks, ranks number three in the SEC in third down conversions, holding opponents to just 37 of 101 opportunities for 36.6%, much better than what Tennessee was last week. <laughs> so that's one good thing they're doing. They're not doing a whole lot of good on that side of the ball. Uh, just you know, some, some stats here, some players to look out for. Safety Jacoby Stevens and linebacker uh, Damone Clark lead the Tigers in tackles with 50 each. Clark had a career-best 13 tackles versus Alabama last week. Other defensive leaders for LSU include linebacker Jabril Cox, 45 tackles, four and a half for loss, and linebacker Micah 
Uh, Baskerville, 44 tackles, two and a half for loss. Uh, their defensive end, uh, Ollie Gay, ranks number two in the SEC in tackles for loss with nine and a half. Uh, so Gay had you know had a sack, two tackles uh, for a loss against Alabama. Be interested to see where they line him up to <laughs> see if they put him over Gene Delante uh, a bit, or you know BJ Ojolari and, and uh, Andre Anthony, ranked number ten in the SEC in total sacks with four piece. So you know we'll we'll see who they uh, line up uh, uh, over one Gene Delante. See if they move him around. Uh, to see if they can you know, hit that hit that weak spot on the Florida offensive line, uh, their cornerback Eli Ricks leads the Tigers and ranks number two in the SEC with three interceptions. Uh, go back to Baskerville, linebacker there, player to watch here because he's just been on a hot streak lately. Um, and especially if we try and see Florida run more, um, I, don't, I don't I don't know how Florida's really going to attack here. Uh, like I said, I like to see the passing game get get going, getting a little bit more rhythm heading into the Alabama game. And may have to with, with, with Baskerville. You know, he started the last four games at linebacker for the Tigers, stepped up for them. He's tallied 33 tackles in the last four games, including seven against Alabama. Had a career high of 12 tackles two weeks ago against Texas A&M, including seven solo tackles there. He had one for a loss of yard and recorded his first fumble in his career against the Aggies. At Arkansas, he finished uh, second on the team with four tackles, including three solos. Led the tackles, uh, led the Tigers in tackles at Auburn as well, recording a total of ten tackles, six solo, one for a loss. He has a total of forty-four tackles on the year, but thirty-three in the last four games. So uh, he's fourth on the team in tackles, two and a half for a loss of uh, uh, three yards total and one quarterback hurry. So Baskerville linebacker there for LSU, one player to watch as he's been. Pretty hot lately, and look, you've heard me say it all week. I'm, I'm not focusing on the run game too much. If it isn't there, I want the passing game humming for the SEC championship game. There's no better opponent than LSU for that to get it going. <laughs> 114th in total defense, mostly due to the passing defense. The Tigers rank 124th in pass defense in the country. As we kind of said about Florida and DBU is not living up to it, it's worse. It is worse at LSU, believe it or not. It is bad. 124th in pass defense, dead last in the SEC, giving up 313 yards a game. They play a lot of man. That's Bo Pelini's staple. That's just what he does. He doesn't like to branch away from it all that much. It's one reason in, in the season opener against Mississippi State, they just got torched over and over again. Very hard-headed, very set in his ways. They have a lot of issues like Florida, but it's worse than Florida. You know, a lack of communication that Florida and Trask will pick up on. Uh, once again, as long as Trask has time, it's kind of been my theme for him the last few weeks. As long as he's got time, I'd like to see him have more time early. I think we've seen a lot of his time when you can't get off to a fast start in a lot of these games recently. It's because the offensive line's given up pressure before they adjust a bit. And I think it's affecting Trask a little bit, a lot uh, against Tennessee last week. A lot of what they were doing as far as mixing up their coverages last week as well. But I think part of it due to is the offensive line getting a slow start. And I think that's kind of contributed to, to Trask's quote-unquote slower start. So, But once again, as long as Trask has time, he's going to have a huge day on Saturday versus LSU. If they man up, still like to man up a whole lot, look for Kadarius Tony to abuse a defender for one or two huge plays. Uh, other wide receivers that have big days as well, if they want to stick in that man defense a whole lot. Kyle Pitts, Justin Shorter, Trevon Grimes, 
and they look for a lot of one-on-one coverage down the field. Those guys going up and getting the ball, making some big plays. All this stuff leads to me. Uh, I, I, Florida hasn't hit my mark lately <laughs> with point totals. I just think uh, it, it's it. You know, I probably think I, I think I go. The focus hasn't been there the last couple of weeks. I think it has to be there this week. I think the team knows it. They don't like LSU. They don't like LSU a lot more than they don't like Tennessee right now. They don't like LSU on the level of uh, you know, the, the level for LSU. That hate is a lot more than Kentucky and Vanderbilt and Tennessee the last week. So I think you know some personal feelings and stuff towards LSU. The season winding down. The final home game of the season. Getting in tune for Alabama, I think it leads to a 47-13 Gators win here. I think Florida plays well. I think LSU right now is a little checked out for, for the season. You've heard all the offseason stuff or off-the-field stuff. I think this is a great first-half performance for the Gators. And, again, dialing it down, I think, in the second half. I think they get up big. I think they play well early. And I think you'll be able to clearly tell that they dial it back. It won't be, oh, well, LSU stopped them doing this and this and this. I think you'll be able to tell Florida probably dials it, dials it down in this game and tries to stay healthy for the SEC championship game. That's the big, that's the big thing. That's one reason I want to see Florida go up big in this game, go up there, put some points up and then midway through the third quarter, something like that, go in there and get a lot of experience for your backups and uh, have them go out there and, 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 and contribute to making some plays there. So 47, 13 Gators win over LSU. That's what I got here. And, um, as far as gets one more tune-up for the SEC Championship game. So, all right, that'll do it for this preview episode, previewing these LSU Tigers. Thanks once again to Blake Buffino from RU Serious Sports, giving us a really in-depth, great look at LSU. Can't thank him enough. That was really, 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 really good stuff uh, that he was bringing to the table. Once again, one more time, Thursday night, Clay County Gator Club. Join, go to their Facebook group. I'll be uh, talking to, to, to their group. Uh, and really, really looking forward to it. Thursday night, 7 o'clock on Facebook Live. Head over to Facebook. Join the Clay County Gator Club Facebook group, and uh, we'll, we'll talk some more Florida LSU and uh, whatever else uh, we, we have planned and, and, and can talk some some Gators football. And um, really, really looking forward to that, uh, you know, being here in, in Jacksonville. You know, Clay County is right next door to us, so uh, big local big local opportunity that I'm, I'm really excited for uh, for uh, Gators Breakdown. Uh, to get out here more locally around the Jacksonville area. So, everybody, thank you for uh, listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore S-E-C. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.